20 years ago today, I somewhat reluctantly started a new job. It's me, Cindy. I'd been freelancing as a voice actor for decades and then started adding in starting a cruise agency, Gotta Go Cruises, with Lane and our friend Flo, all of which kept me busy enough, but all totally on my own schedule. Working for yourself is alternately a challenge and a joy. A challenge in that in both freelancing as a voiceover talent and helping people plan and take cruises, you need to learn the rhythm of the seasons so you can plan for and expect the slow times and not panic. You need to be self-disciplined or you could wind up spending all day watching TV. Plus, in freelancing, you do the work and then get paid. So you have to be able to talk about money and to ask for, sometimes repeatedly, your payment. But the joy is in setting your own schedule. It's golden. You don't miss your kids' school events. You don't have to turn yourself inside out when they have a day off. And you don't need anybody's okay to take a vacation or even just take a little time for yourself. But 20 years ago, I had an interesting offer bubble up, kind of out of left field, so not something I was looking for, certainly. Bill Edwards, who is a radio god on Long Island, offered me a co-hosting spot on a morning radio show. Walk dominated the ratings, owned Morning Drive, and they were inviting me to join the show. At first, I was like, oh, no, thanks, being spoiled, or as I like to think of it, used to working my own hours. Plus, the show started at 5 a.m., 5 a.m., or as my friend Janice calls it, sparrow fart, which cracks me up. But 5 a.m., and I lived a half hour away from the station, and of course I'd have to get in earlier, and that meant I would have to get up at, wait, wait, I got to tell you this. For the entire length of my time on the air, the first question anyone ever asked me when we'd meet is, what time do you have to get up? Three, 3 a.m. Not three in the morning, but 3 a.m., like middle of the nighttime. It was always dark. I always had to step over the dogs and tiptoe my way into the kitchen for coffee. Shh, everyone else is still sleeping. Well, of course they're sleeping. It's the middle of the night. But not for me. Not for us who stumbled in from the parking lot, meeting with barely a nod near the coffee maker, and then onto our spots in front of the microphones. And then the top of the hour jingle would play, and we'd all magically come alive as though it was the middle of the day or real actual morning. I took the job, handed over control of my time reluctantly. If you've ever made your own hours and then didn't, you know it's a hard thing to surrender to. But for many reasons, it seemed like the universe very clearly wanted me to do this. And so I finally said yes. I figured I'd give it six months. I told myself I wasn't obligated to stay. And if I hated it, if the hours crushed me, I could just leave and go back to working for myself. Most mornings went like this. Get up. Grab coffee, auto set to be ready at 3, which over time slid to 3.15, 3.30, 3.45. And then when the station moved an hour away, back to 3.15. Fire up the computer to scan for the most current news, particularly entertainment news for my showbiz buzz report, which ran three times a morning, and to search for anything fun. At first, I was asked to be in a half hour before the start, but eventually, or about two weeks in, and for the rest of my 16 years, I turned up around 5. Sometimes a minute before, sometimes on the nose, sometimes I was flying into place as the mic went on for our first break. I do like seat-of-your-pants programming. It's more fun and has a different energy than those talk breaks that are too totally orchestrated and sound like it. We'd be on till 9, or later till about 9.30 and then eventually 10. Here's what I've always believed about radio and what makes it worth listening to or not. It's the people who talk with you in between the music and the commercials. And the ones that really talk, not just that, that was a song, here's another one, but who share their lives, their adventures, stories about their families, their animals, who share their thoughts and observations, those are the people who come to feel like your friends. So you tune in again to hear more. You get in the habit of spending time with them. They make you laugh or think or feel something as you're starting your own day. 
There are plenty of people on the air who don't do that or don't do it well. My friend Jim never wore headphones. He left them on the shelf next to him so he could hear the music trail out, but never heard himself knowing it would make him too aware of how he sounded. Now, sometimes you have to use headphones to hear musical cues or to make sure everything was as it should be, like, you know, you're still on the air. Mark and I both wore them half on, half off, so we could hear each other for the second or two before the mic went on, so we could hear Donna when she joined us from her newsroom, which was separated from us by a plate of glass, and so we could hear Pat Pagano when he piped in to give the weather report and talk about the movie he was making, the cabin on the lake, the gravy he was making for dinner. By gravy, he meant red sauce, which always led to another round of gravy or sauce, gravy or sauce. But the not fully relying on headphones thing as a good tip because hearing your own voice in surround sound can take you out of just casually talking and make you really self-conscious about what you're saying making it about delivery instead of content how you sound instead of what you're talking about you know what i mean like you hear radio voices sometimes and you know that before they turn on the mic that person's like oh that's hilarious hold on i gotta do a break and then they slip on the headphones turn on the mic and they're like it's six fifteen on a wednesday morning and that was the new one from Who's going to connect with that person? So back to my mornings. We'd go on at 5.05, following the top of the hour jingle. The Walk Breakfast Club with Mark and Cindy. I swear in every incarnation of that morning show jingle, the singers always went flat at the end. I never did understand how that happened. And then a song played and then we came on. Now, completely the opposite of having everything planned out. We were the king and queen of winging it. As the song started to fade, as he reached for his headphones, Mark would say, you got something? Or what do you have? Or I've got something. And we'd be off. No discussing it beforehand. So the conversation was 100% real and could then be full of surprises. And mostly it worked. We each had stacks of ideas most mornings. And when we ever had a break come up where we didn't have anything, we could talk about that, how you run out of things to say sometimes. (laughs) There were times that I wasn't all that fascinated with what Mark wanted to talk about. And plenty of times what I had was nothing like what he found interesting or worth talking about. Like the time that I found a story about a woman in England who'd read about some oil spill or something and how thousands of penguins were in need of help. So she started a campaign asking for volunteers to little sweaters for them. Little penguin sweaters. Is that not the cutest picture in your head? I thought it was both adorable and hilarious. Mark didn't. So times like that, we'd have a discussion afterwards. It always felt like it did when you did something wrong and your dad would have a discussion with you. So he'd be like, uh, dad-like, and I'd be mostly whatever, because I got that he thought things differently sometimes, but it really didn't feel like it was a big deal. One of the best things to come out of my time at Walk was adopting the fundamental understanding that mistakes are part of life and with very few exceptions are not going to make a big difference. The motto I adopted was, it's not brain surgery, nobody's going to die. That became a very helpful mantra when potential calamity hit. Like the time he was talking about that day in history, 5.30 a.m., so not the peak listening time. And he was saying it was the date that the world first was introduced to Reese's penis. And we all kind of froze for a nanosecond. And then collectively burst out and you can only imagine the level of laughter as he tried to cover it up to go back to undo, hit the button on the commercials. But that was it. Not a disaster, although I'm sure his radio life flashed me. <laughs> his eyes for a minute there. When you work in radio, you have radio anxiety dreams where the mic won't go on or you're locked out of the studio or the music disappears or the commercials are all wrong. And in the dream, it's heart palpitations and breaking out in a cold sweat. But in reality, sometimes any of those things or versions of them happen and you really just have to roll with it. And sometimes it's more fun than if everything is going according to plan. 
One time we had to call the fire department and all go outside and wait because someone smelled gas. That could have been an actual disaster, but it turned out to be a false alarm and we were able to get back on the air and have so much fun talking about it and how Donna had to keep fanning herself because she thinks firemen are, well, hot. (laughs) On my first anniversary, I went into work planning on how I was going to ask for a raise after the show. I'd been on for a year, getting up early, going to bed at eight. It's odd and sometimes unpleasant to go to bed earlier than your kid. And the show's ratings were exceptional. But I never did have that conversation because at around 20 to 9, Donna buzzed us and said, a plane just flew into the Twin Towers. And we jumped up to go watch the TV in time to see the second plane fly into the second tower. And within minutes, our world, and I say this for everyone, our world was completely upside down. Cell phones weren't working. You couldn't get on the internet to get news and updates. Phone lines were jammed as everybody who had already heard was getting on the phone to call, mostly family, I'm thinking at that point. Then the plane hit the Pentagon. The plane went down in Pennsylvania, and and we didn't know if there'd be a tomorrow. Driving home, heading east, there were emergency vehicles heading into the city. The skies were empty as all planes had already been grounded. The air was still. The feeling of panic was palpable. I don't remember that afternoon at all. I do remember the weather. It was a beautiful, perfect day. And the next morning, we went back to the studio to do what we could help. It is, in the truest sense of the word, an honor and a privilege to be able to help in a time of need. We put our virtual arms around our community. We opened the phone lines to take calls. We connected by email. We listened, sympathized, consoled, collectively tried to make sense to calm, to soothe, just to be there in support of anyone and everyone who needed it. We heard heartbreaking stories from witnesses, miraculous reports of those who would have been there but for some odd twist of fate weren't, chilling observations of a sudden hatred and fury raged against Middle Eastern people, calls asking for help in locating friends and family who had hopefully gotten out before the towers collapsed. We did this for days. We did it for weeks. We did it until the need to recover became greater than the need to vent. I think about that time when our world faces disaster, in times of suffering and heartbreak and loss. I think about the people I met, the voices we listened to, the souls we tried to soothe. Was it hard on us? It's not easy sometimes to listen to such raw pain or to hear stories you know will leave a scar. But being able to hold out a hand for anyone who needed it was more important than anything I needed personally. I'm sure I speak for Mark and Donna on this too, If I'd done nothing else good in my lifetime, at least I did that. So 20 years ago today, I first sat down in front of a mic in the walk studio. I spent the next 16 years talking about whatever, my family, friends, pets, projects I was getting into, telling the stories of things I'd experienced, books I'd read, movies and TV worth watching, ideas I was having, and always anything I ever learned or read or figured out that might help any of us have a better understanding of the world and our place in it, and all ultimately, hopefully, leading to having a happier life. Somebody yesterday was telling me about a post they'd read about radio. Given that not everyone on the air sounds or feels like a real person that you could be virtual friends with, it was a suggestion from some teenager about how to make radio better and more interesting to listen to. And he said, hey, How about doing live podcasts? And everybody was like, uh, that's radio. Or it could be. Or it should be. At the very least for now, save for the live part, 
that's this, the It's Me Cindy podcast. It's like doing mornings on walk, only without Mark and Donna and Pat Pagano, or having to get up early. Feel free to subscribe or to share.